Hello, welcome to the Weight Endurance Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Waite, sitting across the table from my co-host, Kathy Waite. Hello, everybody. Uh, Welcome back, episode 34. Um, Our podcast is taking you through our seasonal training methods and progressions to make you a fitter and faster rider. Um, This episode, we are going to talk about anaerobic threshold training block Mm -hmm. that we're about to dive into, kind of mid- coronavirus, you know, pause, lockdown, whatever yeah, you call yeah. it. Yeah, um, episode 34, shifting gears to a little higher intensity focus. It's springtime, it's gorgeous, yes. and we're going to bump up our intensity a little bit. Yeah, and it's been a couple of weeks since our last podcast, so we might be a little rusty here as we get back into it. Yeah, we've been <laughs> trying busy to remember my words. Catching up on things, training a lot, um, and that sort of thing. But we've been uh, mid uncertainty with yeah. the COVID stuff what and have, what have you staying been, at home yeah, mostly. What, and what have you been up to besides all your writing, which we'll get to? Um, I mean, kind of what's shifted with the whole lockdown or mm-hmm. whatever we're calling it these days. Um, had more spending a lot more time at home, obviously. Um, we're not at the at the gym coaching workouts and things like we might normally be. And we're not traveling because normally we'd be... Ra- yeah, traveling to traveling races. Traveling and racing and... all over like kind of the western part of the country. Right, right. So I'm... Well, I think both of us, I speak for both of us, we've been putting that extra time and attention maybe into like kind of our nutrition. Mm-hmm. Not, not that we've had bad nutrition in the past, but just kind of putting more focus on it, I guess. Yeah, and our our twins, Sophia and Noel, who just turned seventeen, they both like to be in the kitchen, and I feel like it's been this, you know, creative and collaborative effort for all of us to to try new things and get excited about, yeah, trying banana bread recipes, and um, I'm working on my kombucha and things right. like that. It's been it's been fun. Yeah, a lot of baking going on with you and Noel, and cooking. Um, for those that don't know, I actually. Went to culinary school many years back. Um, For which we're very grateful. And I, so I love cooking, but in normal life, um, I just don't do it that often. Or what we do is very simple. Yeah, it's simple. You just don't have energy after you've done like a five-hour bike ride to think about coming home and chopping up a bunch of stuff. So we tend to keep things simple, which I think is a great tip for anyone out there trying to eat healthy. Like uh, as as for us, for example, as the weather has shifted to warmer evenings and we're sitting outside um, in the backyard on our patio, um, our go-to dinner has just been like a really big salad with a lot of different veggies. And we make it a little bit thematic. Like we, mm-hmm. we modeled one salad after um, one of our favorites at Modern Market with potatoes and uh, dates and feta cheese. Mm-hmm. And then we did like a salmon one the other night. And then last night, just kind of threw a bunch of stuff in that was laying around. Yeah. It was easy. Springtime is salad time. Spring and summer, lots of yeah. salads. Yeah, it, it was great. <laughs> so um, you've been chronicling your eating on your Instagram page. Yeah, you just for fun. Say that? Yeah, I mean, I think for a couple of weeks now, I've been pretty fairly consistent with it. Um, at least once a day, just, yeah, taking a fun photo of, whatever it is we're eating and we've kind of hashtagged it the weight cafe just for fun because it kind of started out where like well you can't go eat out anymore I mean you could do takeout but um so it was like okay let's stay at home and make all 
these great meals ourselves. Why not, right? We have extra time on our hands now, so let's do it. And um, I've been kind of having fun with it, so we'll keep it going. So if you're interested or curious of what it is we eat at the Wait household, um, <laughs> you could pop over, follow me on um, Instagram, mm-hmm. Cody Wait, super simple. Um, and in the stories, I like I said, once a day, usually I'll put one meal from the day, whether it be breakfast, lunch, or dinner up there. And um, and again, that's nothing fancy. I mean, you could look at the photo and figure out how to make it. There's no real recipe per se, other than some of the bread stuff. We have made some loaves of bread and things like that. Yeah, and if anyone's curious, my go-to favorite bread recipe right now is just off the Bon Appetit website and just Google, search on their website for um, banana bread. And it's yeah. like amazing. Yeah. And then I just spice it up a little bit sometimes with um, chocolate chips or walnuts. Um, and I personally love the flavor of cardamom. So I've been adding a, a teaspoon of cardamom yeah, and cinnamon to the bread. So have fun with it. And then you made uh, uh, pumpkin chocolate chip bread. That's my personal favorite. Yeah, that one was pretty good. It's kind of anti-seasonal. It's more of a fall thing. Yeah, but, but you were asking for it. So yeah, I tried it. Yeah, I like it. And then I think you're going to try like a pump, no, a um, sweet potato puree yeah i was gonna just experiment if that that could be similar to the pumpkin bread again not really seasonal but i have it in the pantry so yeah i'll use it up um and it's been really fun too because noelle our daughter um one of our daughters is uh in culinary like high school level culinary school through a program called warren tech that we have here in jefferson county and so she's like loving the cooking aspect too so it's really fun for me personally because i I went to culinary school mm-hmm. when I was in my early, you know, kind of mid twenties, and um, to be able to see her, see, you know, enjoying similar yeah, experiences, it's for been sure. pretty fun. So she and she's becoming a really good yeah, she's cook actually too, amazing. and baker. So yeah, one of the sad parts of the, well. the pandemic shutdown was that she d- didn't get to do her culinary competition that was going to happen statewide. So we're keeping our fingers crossed that she still gets to pursue those endeavors with like scholarship opportunities and yeah, stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then Sophia, our other, Noel's twin, she also likes to cook and she's been experimenting with sourdough like the rest of the world. But it's been fun to watch her make creations yeah, in the kitchen. Yeah, sourdough breads and pancakes and stuff yeah. like that. So yeah, we've been eating well. And I think honestly, it's a good time of the year, pandemic or no pandemic, to really focus in on one's nutrition from like a performance standpoint. Um, you know, just getting eating really clean, as they like to say, and then just getting down to your race weight, even though we don't have races on the calendar just yet. But in a normal spring, this would be the time to hone all that in. So, um, well, Mostly you just want to feel well. And it's a, it's a way to focus on something positive right now instead of focusing on what you can't do. Good point. You know, just like, what can I do? Um, thankfully, we can still go to the grocery store and just throw lots of vegetables and fruits in our in our cart and yep. try to get creative at home in the kitchen because, frankly, I do have more time. I mean, normally I'd be running around visiting friends or playing pickleball in the afternoon, and um, I'm at home. So I have a little bit more energy myself to, to be baking and cooking and slicing and dicing. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. So use that as inspiration to, you know, get yourself in the kitchen and make some fun and healthy, nutritious meals. Um, well, good. Let's, uh, I think we have a few little questions. Yeah, thanks for the questions that came in recently. Um, I'll read one that came in a few days ago from James McCaw. And he says, hi, I'm a longtime cyclist, just getting serious about training at age 40. 
I've ridden plenty of miles and participated in many events um, and never had any structure to my training. I started listening to your podcast and really enjoyed it so far. I purchased one of your downloadable base builder plans and started yesterday. I completed the test session yesterday on my indoor trainer and have inputted my results into the provided Excel spreadsheet. My question is, do I enter this data somewhere in training peaks so it generates my future workouts based on the results of the test? Thank you, James McCaw. Uh, yeah, that's a great and common question, so I'm glad he asked. But before I address that, um, I want to thank him for uh, listening to our podcast. Yeah, that's really cool when someone finds us. Kudos there. Uh, yeah, and anyone listening, um, what helps us the most is if you go in and leave a rating, hopefully five stars, if not, let us know how we can get better and or a review yeah. um, in the Apple iTunes, Apple podcast um, platform is really helpful for us. And the other major thing that maybe is even more helpful is if you just simply share the podcast with any of your cycling friends, teammates, coworkers, that sort of thing. Um, both of those things just help us expand our reach with the, with the show and get more uh, listeners and gain more traction. So thank you, uh, James, for that. Um, and then to answer his question specifically about doing tests and um, what do you do with that information in training peaks, um, I think we've talked about this before, but we'll readdress it real, real quick because um, many of us following our plans are retesting about now. Or um, You want to take the what we call the 64-minute power mm-hmm. um, that is calculated. Once you, once you do your test, and our test involves a 20-minute aerobic test, a four-minute and, and one-minute anaerobic power test. Those three data points are used in the spreadsheet to calculate basically your fatigue curve or rate of fatigue. And from there, it extrapolates all your energy system-related power zones outward right. to longer durations. So, um, and one of those energy system number points is what we call our 64-minute power. And that's basically your hour power, which would then relate roughly to FTP. So Training Peaks and most of the online training apps out there right now use that FTP number to calculate resistance on a smart trainer and all the TSS and CTL and all that stuff in Training Peaks. So it's an important number. Mm -hmm. Um, So from that 64-minute power that's computed on our spreadsheet, you take that and you go into Training Peaks, and in your personal settings, there's a uh, section called Zones, and the first zone is your heart rate zone. Um, the second zone in the chart is your power zones, and you plug in that 64-minute power as your FTP in that box there. And then from there, it's up to you as the user because um, what zones you apply within training peaks yeah i think you could do six seven or eight i think yeah there's several options it the bottom line is it doesn't really matter Mm -hmm. that's only used if you're gonna then go back into training peaks and look at things like how many minutes and various zones and things i i never do that no i don't either um but if you're you know so it doesn't really matter the one we sort of default to is the coggin six it says in the list there i think it's the first one in the list that's uh the Andy Coggin one from, it's kind of the most common zone model. So just select that, apply, save. But what's important is just that that FTP number, which is our 64-minute power number, is in there. And then it'll calculate all the workouts, all the structured workouts, if you're following our training plans, uh, are the ones that are based off of FTP or power-based, I should say, 
we'll base it off of that FTP right. number and get it pretty darn accurate in line with kind of what we're doing. So um, that is the thing to do. And then actually one last step too is don't forget to update that FTP number on your head unit. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Wahoo or Garmin or whatever you're using. Um, if you are if you have power on your bike, so you get that real-time TSS if you want to know that um, outriding, which I find interesting and helpful. I, I as well... Um find it helpful. Um, you helped me figure out which screens to have in my Wahoo head unit a couple weeks ago. And yeah. I do find it helpful to have that on one screen, the TSS, um, the current TSS as I'm riding and the IF, the intensity factor, right. Just, you know, make sure I'm on track. I'm not doing too much. It's not usually that I'm not doing enough. It's usually I'm doing too much. So it's yeah. like, maybe I need to slow it down a little bit. Um, and if I'm trying to say just do a two hour ride or I'm trying to hit 90 TSS. It gives me an idea if I should loop around some somewhere else, more, yeah, yeah, or, or just take come the shortcut on home. home. Exactly. Yeah, and actually, while we're on the topic, not to belabor this too much, but um, screens on your computer mm-hmm. while you're doing intervals, because we we were yeah. talking about that a week or two ago, I think, or three weeks. I don't can't remember. But I. So why don't we just address that real quick? I think we should. And in, in fact, it came up on uh, Tuesday. Um, one of the kids in our team, Kennedy. <clears throat> reached out to me and just said, well, she, she just needed some advice too because she was she didn't have her lap time up on the screen. So she didn't know when she was done with the eight-minute lap. And it seems um, so obvious, but we don't always think to change our, our screens to accommodate right. a new workout. Right, right. Um, so here's what, what I think is most common. Sorry for the background noise. I'm drawing my screen uh, <laughs> on my piece of paper so I don't forget. So this would be like the lap, interval lap screen. Um I think the most important things, I, th- I think, and correct me if I'm wrong or how you do it, let me know how you do it, the interval duration is probably the maybe the single most important thing. So I have that at the top of my screen. So I know if I'm doing a four-minute interval, I can see the timer going. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so... I had my heart rate as the top when we were doing our aerobic threshold intervals, mm-hmm. but I, I need it switched now because I need to be able to see really quickly when I'm done with my eight-minute one. Okay, so inter- the interval time... Then you also want to have heart rate because mm-hmm. you want to know what you're doing there. You want to see your three-second uh, average power, right? Is that what you do? Yep, Okay. Exactly. So three-second average power is basically just a small smoothing effect of the power you're putting out in the moment. Mm-hmm. So you can have it just as the actual power you're doing in the moment, but it bounces around quite a bit. The three-second average does just that, averages it over three quick seconds. Yeah, which you'll find it bounces around a lot anyway, oh, yeah. but it's way smoother than if you did a split second. Yeah, so I think that's a great way to do it. Um, and then also you want to have, or I like to have um, average power for the interval. Yes. So interval average power. Um, and there was like a fifth thing. What was the other thing we had in there? <laughs> we should have been more prepared for this. Uh, was it normalized power? I have normalized power. I don't know if you necessarily need that, but I thought there was one you had that I was like, oh, that's a good idea. Oh, wow. I, I like ca- <laughs> well, I like cadence. I have that on every screen. Cadence, okay. Just because I like, I don't know why I like to see it so much, but I do. Okay. Um, well, back to the average power for the interval. That one is super important um, because it really helps you pace the overall length of each interval. So if the target is, say, for example, 300 watts for x minutes for the interval you know almost always we start a little above it's just kind of how it goes like we hit lap on our computer we take off yeah power is usually 
you know, higher than what we're supposed to be, which is normal. And then we kind of settle back in. Then you can kind of watch the average power get back down to where you should be. Let's say in this example, around 300 watts. Then, then you can keep pedaling along, try to be as smooth as possible. You don't have to be like a slave to the actual power in the second that you're mm -hmm. doing. But you can peek down at that average power periodically and see, okay, I'm actually at 310 watts, so I can kind of like ease back ever so slightly. Or maybe you get distracted in your daydreaming, you look down and you're at 285 watts average, and you still have a few minutes left in the interval, then you're like, oh, I need to kind of pick it up a little bit. So yeah, I think it's very helpful. It, gets you, it really helps you pace the overall interval. Um, and then I guess that fifth window on your screen is up to debate of what yeah, you, you I, like cadence. I think I do cadence, but no. I think I do normalized power. Um, just to compare it to the average power, I don't, it's not that yeah, useful. Yeah, I don't it's care about that. <laughs> um, there's something else. Maybe we'll, when we think of it, we'll come back to it and maybe put it in the show notes yeah, sorry, or something. I can't remember. But, um, but those are the key things. So you obviously you want to know the interval time. So you know when to stop the, the interval, your heart rate. So you know if you're overdoing it by going over whatever, um, heart rate limit might be on the interval and just kind of seeing where you are. And then subsequently when on the recoveries, how low you can get your heart rate. Um, that three second average power tells mm -hmm. you what you're doing in the moment. And then the interval average power, so you know uh, Well, I'll think of two other screens. Um, if you're doing a lot of intervals, like say later on in what we're gonna talk about today, we do like 10 by two minutes, you could have like which lap you're on, because sometimes it's hard. You, to you, keep track. You can't remember. That's a good point, yeah. Um, and the other thing is, if you're not training with power, it is, I think you should put your distance on there because then you would know that mm, on this good. interval, I made it 0.65 miles, but on the next interval, I only made it to 0.6 or something. Uh, yeah. And then it would give you one more way to try to measure your consistency in that interval instead of just like your heart rate. That's a great point. Yeah. yeah. And not to get down too many rabbit holes, but yeah, I tend to always think and assume everyone has power and heart rate, but a lot of people don't have power, but these intervals can be very effective without power and that's a perfect example yeah you just have to be creative like um i trained without power power for years when you first got me into the sport um and i would try to just to repeat like a section of, of road but had i wanted to do different sections of road for the same interval like the distance would have been really helpful to know right if i was staying consistent because you can't always tell by your rate of perceived effort i mean that mm -hmm. can be like so very like maybe your allergies are bugging you so everything feels a little harder or you lifted weights the day before and everything feels a little harder right so it's it's nice to have some markers to determine whether or not your intervals are being consistent without yeah. the power meter yeah so if you're doing hill repeats which is typically how we suggest people do mm -hmm. our most of our intervals is <clears throat> by if you're just going by heart rate you get that heart rate in rpe where you, it should be the best you can and then for each interval track how many miles or point whatever of a mm -hmm. mile you make in the interval and um, try to repeat that and keep that very consistent as a way to help you pace. Exactly. Yeah, because oftentimes you'll look at that first interval and then as you fatigue, you're not going to be putting <laughs> out possibly as much power, which means you won't get as far up the hill the next right. time, but you want to try to maintain that um, throughout. So that, that's a great little tip there. Thanks, thanks for mentioning that. Um, I think we've covered that. Yeah, let well me go enough, on to the next but, question. This yeah. came from Michelle Roy. Uh, Cody, hi. Hope you and the family are well, staying safe, safe and healthy. I recently purchased the Booster Aerobic Plan for Cycling as a bridge in my mountain bike training. 
I noticed that it is not uploading directly into Zwift from Training Peaks as your other plans have. Is this because it is heart rate based and not power based? Is there a fix for this? Any help is appreciated. Stay healthy, Michelle. Um, and I'll just pop pipe in here real quick. Thanks, Michelle. And I hope we are actually all safe and healthy, thankfully. Um, and I hope you and your family are as well. Yeah. Um, great question. And this is one that didn't really actually occur to me because I don't use Zwift um, at all, honestly, yet. I'm sure I will at some point soon. Um, but the interval, when you, when in, so from our workouts on our training plan, get, if you are a Zwift user, get automatically uploaded to your day's workout on Zwift, okay. which is a really cool feature. So you just turn Zwift on, and as long as the interval workout is in the, is the same day that you're on, it just automatically mm, there, and okay. I think it asks you, like, do you want to do this workout? And you click yes, and away you go. <laughs> yes or no. Right. But Zwift, being on a smart trainer, is all power-based. Um, right. And our aerobic plans and our aerobic training in general, we tend to want people to train actually more by heart rate. Okay. And then kind of see what the power does if you have power. So that was an interesting thing she brought up, and that's why I wanted to address this, that um, being that the workouts are written around a heart rate, prescription it doesn't apparently keep like load into zwift or prompt zwift to want to load it so okay the way around this i figured out is inside training peaks you can change the parameters of which the workout was built around which in this case was heart rate you can via drop down menu in the workout window itself you can change it to um, power based, or I think it's percent of FTP based. Mm, okay. And then that will take the prescription I have written in there and kind of automatically calculate, recalculate it to a percent of FTP. And it's, it seems that the bit of playing around with it I did was it works pretty well. Like it's pretty accurate. So you'd go into Training Peaks first, change the <clears throat> parameters of the workout, and then turn on your Zwift and it should upload automatically. It should, yeah. Okay. That, that seems to have. Well, Michelle, maybe worked. you can let us know if it works. Yeah, so the way to do it, I think, is if you know you're going to do, you know, the workouts on Zwift, is just go through and change them all, and then that way you don't have to, like, think about it each yeah. day. But um, but that is just kind of, like, one of the nuances of manipulating how we do things. The other way to do it, and I replied back to Michelle with this, too, and probably the way I would personally do it if I was going to do this on Zwift, is don't necess- you don't really have to worry about doing the, the like automated workout on Zwift. So the aerobic intervals are pretty straightforward. It's usually like three or four or five or six intervals of whatever distance, you know, they're usually like five, 10, 15, 20 minutes long. Mm-hmm. And you want to target that 75 to 80% of max heart rate. So you can just get on Zwift, pick your course or whatever and start going. And then within the ride, once you're warmed up, be like, okay, here, I'm going to do my first 10 minute interval here that you know hit the lap button on your computer and then go for it and keep your heart rate in range and Zwift is the little bit I've been on it is tries to simulate like being outside so you'll have some uphills and some downhills and I think you could pick like a climbing course or something so you can have longer climbs if you want and then just get the interval in on your head unit hit lap and you know take it easy get your recovery in as prescribed and then do it again so you right it's user's choice if you want to be super super locked in and structured with that interval on Zwift or if you want to just more like free ride mode and just say I know going into this I'm going to do four times ten minutes of this aerobic intervals 
in my ride and you just manually do it as if you were outside. Right. That's probably how I would do it as well. Yeah. So you kind of have a couple options there, but that was a good question. One I wasn't even aware of at the time. Well, and we probably blew people's mind that we don't do Zwift. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's very popular right now. I know. And I'm actually going to look into it and, um, cause I want to offer like our base builder for next year on Zwift as yeah. like group workouts and things for people so they can train with us from home or wherever they are in the country or the world, I suppose. So yeah, we'll, we'll probably get into it. We'll be getting on Zwift at some point. Awesome. Okay. Last question is from a gentleman named Ed Griffin in Utah. Um, he says, I bumped into your podcast recently and I'm really enjoying it. Thanks, Ed. Um, this question is more about his daughter. He said his daughter rides and races mountain bikes here in Utah. She's quite competitive and I've been looking for coaching help with a plan. I reviewed your different plan options and was wondering if you could direct me. We have about 16 weeks to her first NICA races. That's the high school league. We may race more during the summer depending on this COVID thing. Uh, My daughter races every two weeks until the state championships, which is October 25th, which I think I'd like her to peak for that. Do you have recommendations on how to build a plan for her? What plans do you recommend piecing together from your library? Do you offer individual coaching? Thanks in advance. Yeah, thanks for the email, Ed. Um, a lot of questions there. Grab this so I make sure I stay, answer them all. But um, yeah, that's really awesome. We, As people know, we love working with junior athletes, young development athletes. That's um, just why we started the We Development program that we do, our, our junior team. And we um, do coach other young riders around yeah, the, the yeah. city and across the state and in, yes. up into Wyoming. Yeah, we have a handful of uh, other junior athletes that we coach and or write training plans for. So we can definitely uh, put something together for your daughter. But some thoughts off the top of my mind as far as planning ahead. You know, the NICA season, it sounds like Utah is very similar, if not the same weekly dates as the Colorado Yeah, it sounds exactly the same. Um, You have some time, thankfully, and fingers crossed that it gets to happen again this year because it's such a great program, the whole NICA stuff. Um, but you'd be looking at if she's just kind of ramping up her cycling now for the season, um, I would consider going in and looking at our, like a 12 week base builder program now. Um, and that would get you through, let's see, May, June, July, um, kind of end of July, early August, I think if, if you were to start that fairly soon. And then from there, switching over onto a race prep, like a cross-country race prep plan mm-hmm. that would take her right into the NICA season. And you can kind of extend that race prep plan for the extra weeks because it, it goes pretty deep into fall, um, the NICA plan or NICA program. So that's something I would definitely recommend doing. Now, if she's already been training and done some base training through the like winter and early spring, mm-hmm. um, then she could look at doing like a race prep plan now and then possibly, hopefully race a little bit this summer, take a little break uh, before the end of summer, like a week off just to rejuvenate and then repeat that race prep plan right, going right. into um, the fall NICA season, late summer, fall NICA season. So there's several options there. kind of depends on um what you're doing. Right, so, and he didn't let us know what she had been doing, so he can make that call. Yeah, I mean, what we're doing with our own training, but also the training of the We Development writers, is do, we just finished up our aerobic booster plan. So we sort of hit the pause button mm-hmm. when the COVID thing blew up in March. Decided, let's go back and spend six weeks um, kind of rebuilding up and reinforcing our aerobic base. 
um, which is really cool because we wouldn't normally been able to do mm-hmm. that because we would have been like racing and busy with all of that and the, and they would have been still in school so they got this like ability to do some extra mileage and extra recovery and all this sorts of stuff as we go with that aerobic and now we're switching over to our anaerobic portion of the plan to rebuild right. yep that's what we're going to talk about switching here gears soon and then um at that point hopefully by summer we will get to do some sort of racing and then trickle on into whatever happened. I mean, it's so unknown right now. Um, It's hard to say exactly, but um, hopefully that helps you out a little bit, Ed. And then we also do offer custom training plans, not just for junior riders, but any riders um, where we can look at it exactly what your race schedule is (laughs) and your fitness ability and all and time availability for training and all that and create a plan for you. Just for you. Yeah. And then coaching, we do coach junior athletes as well. They want a little more attention and you know, learning how to use power meters and all the kind of data-driven training. Yeah. So a lot of options there. Um, hopefully that was helpful and um, will be, you can always send me an email, Cody at teamweight.com and ask questions, Ed or anybody listening, and I can kind of help point you in the right direction. Yeah, so. yeah but just really cool to get uh, another email from a parent looking for help for their teenage writer yeah i love really, it really really cool. especially when it's a daughter like yes yeah the more girls we can yeah. get in the better absolutely for sure yeah i mean we i love training these up-and-coming writers it's, I do too. it's, it's so my, fun it's my favorite thing yeah um okay you were going to review what we just finished that aerobic threshold block um what we you were calling the aerobic booster plan so you want to do a little recap yeah on what we did real quick not to to beat a dead horse but for the last six weeks or so We've been doing, and many of our athletes have been doing what we're, we've dubbed our aerobic threshold booster mm-hmm. block, um, which is just focusing, it's more like advanced base training, I guess. It's like just foki- focusing on our, that aerobic threshold, so upper end aerobic energy system, um, kind of a medium intensity, I guess I'd call it. It's yeah. definitely not high intensity, but it's also not low intensity, so we'll call it medium intensity. Um for about five, six weeks, uh, and, um, and just reinforcing that. So this is very much a, for lack of a better term, I'm calling it a, like a homogenous training model, meaning the four or five rides per week on the plan are all either low intensity or this kind of low to moderate intensity. Mm-hmm. And all the duration of those four to five key rides per week are all kind of in the middle ground as well kind of for us not necessarily on the exact training plan but for us and our we development team all the rides were kind of right around three to four hours which for some people might be really long rides but the first week was more like two hours yeah it gradually built up but the bulk of the rides were three to four hours Mm -hmm. so we didn't have any six hour rides yeah and there were a few like easy recovery rides of an hour here and there but not that many so it's like the majority of the rides were in that three to four hour range um and with the intensity also being kind of that low to moderate Mm -hmm. so all the rides were more or less very homogenous yeah i think it's a great way to describe the block we just finished yeah we didn't do anything extreme on intensity Mm -hmm. and we didn't do anything extreme on duration right um and the other thing too is it's very heart rate based so when we're training our aerobic energy system so low like that low to moderate energy system I have found that it's just much more effective to focus on heart rate rather than power because when you focus on power, you tend to 
it's easy to work too hard or harder than necessary, I guess I should say. So by focusing on heart rate, we're doing these intervals when we're doing intervals during this block at the 75 to 80% of max heart rate. And then whatever the power happens to be, it just kind of happens to be. And typically as the weeks go by, your power kind of gradually improves. And then as we get either fatigued and or the intervals get kind of in that 20 plus minute range, the duration brings that average power down a little bit as well. So rather than saying my, I wanna focus on this power and whatever effort is required to take this power, what happens is later in the plan, it could be the effort could be too great or unnecessarily. Yeah, I think great. we all found um, that in week four and five, as we got tired and the intervals got longer 15, 20, 30 minutes, um, the average power for those intervals did go down. For right. example, I think I was hitting like 183 ish watts for those 10 minute intervals, even the 15 minute ones. I was feeling pretty cool. Right. And then when we switched to doing more 15 minutes and then the 20 minute, it dropped down to the 170s, 160s. And it was okay. Right. Like if I wouldn't have obeyed the heart rate rules, I would have ended up doing too much work. Yeah, and that makes perfect sense, right? So if we're going to do a 10-minute interval, we'd expect to be able to do a little more power for mm -hmm. 10 minutes than we would for 20 minutes, certainly 30 minutes or 40 minutes. So um, the power's got to come down. So that's why I really like aerobic training mm -hmm. to be more heart rate based. And the other thing too is when we're training aerobically, the slower intensity, the the goals that we're trying to achieve come from the cardiovascular system. You know, we're tr essentially training the heart muscle more than anything else. And the ability for it to pump blood around the body, delivering oxygen. And so we're training the heart. So if we focus on a heart beat or heart rate to train these durations, we're training aerobically mm -hmm. right and whatever the power is we keep an eye on it we compare it to the previous weeks and you know see what how it's responding and it gives us an idea of when we do sort of hit a wall and of fatigue which we'll talk about in a second um and we can identify that a bit more easily right um and make adjustments accordingly so um with this we built from uh low to moderate training load that first week. And then over the course of five weeks, we build up to a rather high training load. Mm -hmm. um, and many of our athletes, my, both of us included, I think, found sort of our current limit of training load ability yeah. and kind of reached this fatigue point where we were definitely ready by week five or six of the plan to kind of back it off and, and get recovered. So again, it just built from low to high. Um, each week kind of built up and up and up. And then um, that sixth week is a recovery week um, where we recovered and then did some testing. Um, and now we're moving on to the next block, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. Well, let me interject yeah. here because as written, the aerobic booster plan was in totality six weeks. Yes. Like you said, week one was really kind of low TSS and built up progressively where week five, if you were going as written, was really high and then week six was a uh test a re sorry recovery and a retest yes let me now, interrupt okay, real quick go ahead. i hope i don't you know derail your train of thought no, i got it but for our listeners um what we did and what we did with our weed development team was not exactly the high volume aerobic booster plan so okay. people have that and following along we did sort of an excel version of that meaning we did more minutes more minutes of intervals more tss as we went so we'd built it up as a five-week build, 
up to, to the max mm, loading. Okay. And then the six weeks was recovery. Following our training plan, our high volume training plan and the low volume training plan, um, it's actually six weeks of these intervals, but that sixth week we pull out the endurance ride aspect of it, but you're still doing your longest aerobic intervals. The idea behind that was just that because you weren't, if you were following that plan as written, you weren't doing so much weekly load that you would expect to be ready for a full recovery okay. week in the sixth week. Well, I'm glad so you cla- no, I'm glad that. I'm really glad you did because clearly you're the one that writes these these training plans and I'm just following along after you doing what you tell me. <laughs> so I didn't actually know that we were doing something that was slightly different. So I'll jump back into yes. what, what kind of we we both wanted to share what we learned from this block of training and here's what was one of my big yeah, yeah. takeaways that um Basically, I couldn't handle the, the, the whole block. Like, I got through week one, two, three, and four, and then I started feeling some weird tightness around my left knee where I had the IT, um, the IT band inflammation last year, which derailed my whole um, race season last year. Right. So, And I was also super tired, um, and I had, to, I had to stop. I didn't stop riding completely, but I instead of doing my fifth week as prescribed, which was going to be, for me, like, 800 TSS, I think. A big week, yeah. It was going to be big for me. Um, I had to back it off, and I didn't do any more intervals. I just rode my bike a little bit. I think I had like 350 TSS. You essentially did a recovery week starting I did, that yes, week. Yeah. I did. And I was disappointed, and I was, you know, kind of, I'm really hard on myself in general. I'm super competitive, type A person, and um, found that I just was feeling like major disappointment with, my, with myself, and... That was the wrong perspective, and we we talked about it, and the the actual perspective should have been, and it is now, after processing it with you, is that I need to be really proud of myself for those four weeks of training, because yes. it was the most I had done in volume and TSS in a long time. Right, because you train very consistently through the winter, but overall the winter training is pretty low volume, because mm-hmm. we're indoors a lot, and you know, the weather and whatnot. So yeah, you put four weeks of starting at sort of your normal winter load mm-hmm. total volume and then each week got bigger and bigger right so you put in four growing I did like really good work yeah so there's there's a few takeaways there that I just want to share with people and please pipe in here too but um you need to focus on what you did accomplish and not on what you didn't accomplish yes so just because you purchase a plan or decide on something a plan you're going to do that you're going to do this many hours for the next x number of weeks if you need to listen to your body and if your body is telling you that it's time to back it off you need to be smart about it like if i would have kept pushing it i know my knee would have flared up um maybe i would have gotten sick and um it just would have been stupid so take a step back and like be proud of what you did accomplish and don't fret about what didn't accomplish because you did a great job I'm sure yeah um, and I know it was hard for you because the that fifth week oh, the rest of really our team hard. we were all going out and training not together but we we keep tabs on everybody and we actually see people out on the routes oh yeah that locally. was really fun well and I would see Sophia getting her clothes on yeah. and mom you gonna come with me no and I would feel so sad and like FOMO fear of missing out <laughs> <laughs> FOMO. okay yeah. uh, I mean just have to let it go yeah, absolutely. I, you did struggle a bit there, but I kept reminding you, like, look at, like, the last four weeks were such a big training block from, for yeah. you. And you could see graphically, visually, if you go into training peaks, you could see your CTL, you know, your line of fitness going up, up, up. 
you know, getting to a very high point mm-hmm. relative to the, the year so far. And, you know, if you take a step back and look at that, and then it did kind of click with you, like, oh, yeah, I did. It did. Yeah. Like, it's always that I, it's usually that I see both sides of it. Like, the mature person inside of me sees the wisdom of stopping, you know, of knowing my own limits and listening to my body and, and seeing what I did accomplish. But the other, you know, the little crazy person on my right shoulder says, well, but look at your, look at what the other kids are doing. Look at what Cody's doing. And, and it's sunny outside and it's gorgeous. And you, you really want to ride your mountain bike and, and you just have to like be smart about it. And I wasn't the only one that like hit those limits. Like a couple of the other young riders in the team, same thing, like, Toby had to stop, like, I think with a half a week to go, he was like, I'm just done. Yeah, halfway through the fifth week, he, he was just done. I was so me, proud like, of I'm him. I'm pretty tired. I was like, okay, we found your kind of upper limit for now. Let's call it good. Yeah, I was Going really to recovery mode early, and, you know, he subsequently he's feeling great now as we start this this training block. And Right, that's the whole point, yeah. too. It's like he knew when to stop so that he could recover and rest, even if that meant a week and a half of rest instead of a week. Who right. cares? That's what his body needed. Right. And he felt amazing on his Tuesday um, eight-minute intervals. It was really cool. Yeah. Well, when we were talking about this kind of before we started the recording, it's um, I liked you, you had like this good analogy that I really I like. So I want to sh- talk well, about probably it. Probably because we're watching that Netflix show, The World's Most Extraordinary Home. Yeah, yeah. You said, um, you know, these training plans are not written in stone. They're not like architectural plans that you have to here's the plan is made, you have to follow it exactly. Or the house is going to fall down. Yeah. Training plans are very, um, what's, what would be the word? Moldable. Like, yeah, moldable. I like it. So you have to, like you said earlier, like listen to your body and know, I mean, everyone responds to the training a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. And some people will respond better to different types of training and maybe not as well to other types of training. So, But it's all good training and you have to kind of go through these steps, check off these boxes, you know, the aerobic training, you know, check, got it. You know, maybe you didn't see massive improvements or maybe you did, you know, everyone's a little bit individual and maybe you could do it for three weeks or four weeks or before you needed a break or maybe someone's a little more durable and they could do it for five or six weeks before they needed a break. Um, Everyone's different. So when you're following any kind of training plan and that includes a one made for you from a coach on a weekly basis. I mean, things can change. Right. And um, that's one of the values of having a coach or, you know, to have your back in those kind of situations. Well, it's true because I, I guess I just need a lot of encouragement. And because we live together, you can snap me out of a little pity party or right. whatever it is that I'm bemoaning and just say, no, look at what you did. It was amazing. And don't compare yourself to Sophia. Her body is more durable than yours. And yeah, that's the truth. It, it is. And Lucky her. Right. And what was really great about doing this training block for, for anyone and everyone, but I'm thinking specifically of our uh, junior athletes, it's like we were able to prescribe this growing training load and found out each one of their individual limits mm-hmm. and, and where to go. And so with that data now, we I was able to make their next training block, right. this anaerobic yeah. booster block, based off of what they accomplished previously. So I know what their load tolerating capabilities are Mm -hmm. and that way I'm not going to prescribe too much but I'll prescribe enough and that kind of thing so right that was very cool yeah so recognizing your fatigue and your limits was something really great to pull out of this what else did you want to share that you took away from this training block uh well for me personally I mean coming into it coming off of influenza a 
uh, right at the very beginning of March, mm-hmm. my CTL for those data geeks out there that follow on training peaks and everything dropped from, well, I got up to like 105 or something, um, before taking a planned recovery week that I then, right. I then got sick. So it went from 105 over the course of then three weeks recovery week and two weeks to recover from being ill down to like low 70s. So it took a big hit. Um, then over the, the five weeks of this aerobic booster block, I was able to bring it up from the low 70s, like 72, 73, back up to 103. So I gained oh, like really? 30 CTL points in five okay, weeks. Okay, that's amazing. I think mine just went up like 15. And I definitely found my limit because by that fifth week, I was able to do the training, but I was dragging a little bit. Mm-hmm. The power was definitely starting to, de- to decline, especially... So the fourth week I was doing some like 30 minute ones and actually hitting some pretty high numbers like 290 watt averages for the 80% max heart rate, which was kind of a definitely equal to, if not slightly above, like a PR uh, for the aerobic stuff. And then in that fifth week, I wanted to push the envelope and do some 40, 45 minute long intervals, um, which I had not really, I had done that a few times years back, but those are, that's getting pretty long for that. Um, and it started, you know, the power, again, <laughs> intervals getting longer, plus I'm fatigued, so the average power was dropping down in the 280s and 270s, right. which is still great training. I'm still training the aerobic aspect, which I want, but clearly fatigue was setting in, so that was to be expected. Um, but the good news is I gained almost all of my fitness, quote-unquote, back in those five weeks that I had lost from the three weeks of right. um, that uh, illness and whatnot, so... That was great. Um, another takeaway for me personally, and I think maybe some others felt this, is I actually gained a little bit of weight over that five-week block. Um, and I'm kind of figuring out, sussing out what, how and why that happened. And I think um, I was focused, because these intervals were long and they're very high calorie expenditure mm-hmm. workouts, right? I mean, like we said earlier, the workouts, them, all my workouts... I think my longest workout was a little bit over four hours, which is kind of me- like a medium long For you, it's for medium. Me. Right. Yeah. Um, but definitely not a, quote, long ride. And, but kind of that three to four hour range. But within that three to four hours, I was doing upwards of 90 minutes, two hours, two and a half hours of this moderately high power, you know, 280 plus watts of that. So, more, so half or more than half of the workout was at this like... Mm-hmm sweet spot level of power output. So you're burning through a lot of calories. So knowing that I was consuming a lot of calories, both mid ride to keep fueling and keep successful, which is, was another big takeaway, um, of pacing these rides for our junior athletes because they hadn't really done these like long extended intervals. Um, but then also fueling the rest of the day because I knew I was going to have to ride three to four hours again the next day. So all this fueling and carbohydrate fueling, um, I had to stay on top of. Mm-hmm. And so I think that contributed possibly to a little bit of weight gain. But I think that was um, worth it because I was gaining more power, more strength, mm-hmm. um, more muscular endurance. So a little bit of weight gain for more power is usually a good trade-off in most cases. Well, um, so, it was some of that weight gain just needing to over that recovery week, flush out the old system? Yes, exactly. So through that recovery week, I was able to 
I'm still slightly above where I would want to be. I mean, a couple of pounds. We're, we're cutting hairs here. But, um, but it's interesting to watch. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting to watch. And I'm attuned and sensitive to it. So I, I find it interesting and fun. And the other thing, too, I think, is one of the values of this kind of upper aerobic training stuff is creating an athlete's ability to store more glycogen mm-hmm. than they previously might have been able to. So we can all store roughly around 2,000 calories of glycogen on board, but a well-trained aerobic athlete could quite possibly train themselves to be able to store, you know, maybe 2,300 calories worth mm. of carbohydrates okay. because you you not only are getting better at sparing glycogen, but you can also store more glycogen within your muscles. Right. Um, and that's a benefit. And But with glycogen comes extra body weight because glycogen bonds with water. Water's heavy. So for every, I forget the exact thing, every gram of glycogen, you're storing like three grams of water or something oh, okay, with it. Gotcha. They, they're kind of like bonded together. So that's why when you taper and peak and, you know, glycogen load or just get fueled up on glycogen, you always gain a few pounds, you know, race week, because you're getting... <clears throat> stocked up on glycogen, stocked up on water, um, and so you're heavier. But that's all good right. weight. It's going to allow you to Excuse race me. well. So it's not to get too fixated on or concerned with, but it was just something that I kind of noticed and um, took away from it. Yeah, I I, I saw some of that same um, trend with myself. Uh, one more thing. Were you dead? I wanted to say one more thing I was thinking of. Oh, go ahead. What were um, you? Well, just during the block when we had we had aerobic interval days, and then we uh, interspersed zone one, zone two rides. Yeah, like slow endurance. Yeah, rides. and yeah. It, for me, uh, I built up to doing a few four-hour zone one, zone two rides. Okay. And I struggled more with those the, the long slow rides than the interval. Yeah. Days. Yeah. I, I just I'm not good at them or something. <laughs> Like my first of all, like being in that position, like I was, I'd ride my cross bike on the bike path mostly to keep it flatter, and like just being hunched over my bike that long hurt my back and my neck, and um, I feel like I had to eat so much or I'd bonk, and I, th- I found it just interesting that I that those longer, slower rides were more of a challenge for me mm-hmm. than the quote work days. Right. Yeah, that is an interesting takeaway. I mean, maybe it's because the intervals give you something to focus on. Plus, we were always climbing, like doing Which I love to climb. hill repeats. Yeah. And that breaks it up significantly because you're working hard up the hill and then you get to turn around and come down the hill and, and you can change your position. You don't have to pedal. You can coast, stretch things, whatever. Where, like like you said, the, these long, slow rides, we were gravitating towards flatter routes mm-hmm. just to be able to keep our heart rate really low and just go. You're pedaling almost nonstop, more or less, right? Because right? there's no downhill interruptions, or very few anyway. And you're not accustomed to that. And, you know, so your position isn't, your body position isn't changing much. <laughs> so maybe things were like aching and stiffening. And plus yeah. it can be a little bit, quote unquote, boring, honestly. It's like intervals are great because you're changing That's the pace true. and what you're focused on. Where like these zone one, zone two, just steady rides are like, can get a little boring, but they're very valuable. Though. They are very valuable. I just found it to be quite perplexing how hard those were for me compared to a higher intensity ride, right. even though it still wasn't that high of intensity. Well, there's something to be said, I think, about... Because I've noticed that, too. I think there's something to be said about riding flat roads. I mean, look at, like, the Dutch cyclists. Dutch cycling oh, yes. is among the best in the world, and they'll go do 100-mile rides and gain 
400 feet of elevation. It's like, we can't even do that. So yet. I think Sophia said she saw on Instagram that Matthew Vanderpool had done, I don't know, like a hundred mile ride and he gained like a yeah. hundred feet of climbing right. or something. I'm right. like, oh my God, my back would have killed me. <laughs> so flat doesn't necessarily mean easy, nor does just having flat riding at your disposal mean you can't be a good rider. Matthew Vanderpool is a yeah, good example. Pretty cool. And the myriad of Dutch national and world champions and yeah. stuff. So. They're bred for, the, for cycling. Right. Um, yeah, so then at the end of the block, we tested, um, we had our We Devo athletes test, um, and I saw some nice gains from it. Yep, it was fun to go through each of their spreadsheets and see what they accomplished. I was, I was very pleased for them. Um, one takeaway that we had, we probably should have explained this a little, little bit better to them before they started this aerobic block, is that it takes so long to see noticeable gains in your aerobic uh, capacity right? and not to be discouraged by that. You could, just because you train for five or six weeks um, at that aerobic heart rate doesn't mean you're going to see this 20% jump right. in your aerobic power. I think some of them were expecting more than what they saw, but they have, yeah, that's absolute. I mean, aerobic capacity, aerobic fitness comes from years of training, years. not weeks and not even months, Yeah, but like years. Like you got to do it for... 8, 10, 12 years before you are like fully developed. Right. And so don't get fixated on a number on a test. Just know that you put lots of good work in the bank and it, it is there. You, you you accomplished a good chunk of work. Right, right. And even what was interesting is a lot of them, the concrete numbers of the test, the 20-minute, 4-minute, 1-minute test, didn't improve significantly or some in some cases not at all. But what was interesting is the ratio between those of what improved or what changed was very clear on pretty much all of them that their aerobic endurance, muscular endurance improved. So mm -hmm. what I'm getting at is like their fatigue rates came down. So even though maybe the raw four minute, one minute numbers didn't go up much, the four minute went up a little bit more than the one minute in most cases. Therefore the fatigue rate, or even if they came down a tad, the, the, four minutes stayed stronger or stayed a little higher. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, I, I know that. I, I mean, I'm getting at... Threw some people off. Yeah, I'm getting at that their fatigue rate improved. So what that means is, is you go out to longer durations, out to that hour power range, 64-minute power, their quote-unquote FTPs actually went up. Mm -hmm. And that's a little bit of a head-scratcher because in some cases, they're like, well, my numbers actually went down a little bit. How does my FTP go up? Well, it's because your four-minute maybe went down a tad. Your one-minute went down a tad bit more percentage-wise, so therefore it changes that slope of the graph if you were to plot those two durations, and it means your muscular endurance has improved, which is the goal, is the, yeah, the objective or the goal of the aerobic training. Um, and what they'll see going into this next block, now we mix it up dramatically, and we'll see more of this aerobic, anaerobic, sorry, anaerobic threshold power mm -hmm. go up. And you'll see those numbers go up, and hopefully they can hold on to that lower improved fatigue rate simultaneously, and, and everything overall goes up. boost their fitness. Right, right. Everything goes up. So um, it's a little bit of a head scratcher sometimes with our training zone calculator how numbers can go down, but like the FTP number <laughs> goes up and all that kind of stuff. But it all comes down to that muscular endurance and that ability to sustain a given amount of power over longer durations. Right. And I think just about everyone improved, if not everyone. So on that aspect, like yeah, the fatigue I think, rate Yeah, I think aspect. so too. Um, 
what what things did you want to talk about with testing? I had a few thoughts. Um, um, well, for me, I'll just use my tests as a prime example. My aerobic numbers stayed about actually the same. Well, let me take a step back. They went up significantly because I was coming up from being sick. So when I first tested six weeks ago, they were abnormally low. Um, so they were up from that. Sure. But they're about the same as like from like a year to year, like a summer to, or spring to spring. Comparison. Right, because someone with your cycling background isn't going to see it's not these gonna change. dramatic Yeah, I'm 42 boots. years old almost, and I've been doing this my whole life. My aerobic fitness is pretty much maxed out. But if I can, honestly, as I get older, if I can just keep it the same, right? that's a win for me. Um, but what I did see is some nice gains, um, well, significant gains over six weeks ago, because I was, again, coming from that low point. But even at some small gains relative to previous spring time data points um, in the anaerobic powers, too. So, like, my four-minute was equal pretty close both my four and my one minute powers were very close to like all-time prs that's amazing um so yeah i mean everything's like up indicating i'm like fit and Mm -hmm. ready to go with some anaerobic training um but yeah that's kind of all i had to add what do you you had it well testing insights (laughs) I, i i struggled again with like the emotions that are wrapped around testing yeah. You know, my, my nerves were kind of frazzled the morning of the test, and Sophie and I were heading out together, and we were both kind of giggling about how our heart, hearts were beating kind of fast. Mm-hmm. And so for both of us, our aerobic threshold, a 20-minute test, was ridiculously skewed from kind of anxiety that got our heart rates going. Right. And we didn't come close to seeing the numbers we had been seeing in our training intervals. Right. Which is fine. Like That's just how my body works. I, I get kind of excited, like I'm getting ready to do a race. Um Sophia absolutely crushed the four minute and one minute tests and her numbers like jumped dramatically through the the heavens mm-hmm. and mine were good. Mine were mine were really good, but hers were so much better than mine that I I did struggle with comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's easy to preach don't compare yourself to others, but then when you're faced with it, it can throw you into a you right. know, a, a tizzy. Um and so that it was just it was just sort of difficult for me and yeah, that's probably what I talk about most instead of like data points like you do. It's like the emotional part of training and racing and mm-hmm. um, just finding like gratitude in in the sport, gratitude in moving your body, gratitude in the sunshine and, and the mountains and bikes and all, all these things you can be happy for and, and not, not getting your self-worth wrapped up into numbers. Right, right. So That's a good takeaway. Yeah, that's that's Kathy's two cents. Well, it's easy to want to compare ourselves to our training partners or our competitors or whatever. And, I mean, that's just human nature. Sure. But we're all different. We all respond to things differently. And, quite frankly, just because your numbers say this, that they're higher than some, you know, your buddies, mm-hmm. um, doesn't mean when you line up to the race that that person with the higher numbers is going to win the race. There's way more to racing than just your numbers. That's I mean, so if true. it was just... Who put up the most training miles wins the race. That would be a different thing altogether, <laughs> right. right? Whoever has the highest FTP or highest one-minute power or whatever, you know, that would be a different thing. Like racing is so much more complex and there's so many variables. With right. The fueling and the pacing and the strategy and how you feel in a given day and all of those sorts mm-hmm. of things. So at any given race, someone with the lesser numbers can beat the person with the better numbers in right. a race and vice versa. So... You can't put too much stock or emphasis on these numbers. You just want to 
have them for yourself and they're just data points that you're going to collect over weeks, months, years that you can refer back to and hopefully see trends of improvement of your own. That's what matters. And one of the most important reasons for testing is to set your, I guess, your training zones in, in your current block of training so you don't do too much. So after we did the testing, you and I sat down and figured out my FTP, so Via's FTP, the, the Young Riders FTP, and we updated that in their training peaks mm -hmm. because that did affect what um, our workout was on Tuesday, for example. Right. And what was the most fascinating part about um, following the test with this eight, uh, four by eight minute anaerobic threshold workout was that that workout was a litmus test to know if we truly did test well. Right. So I wanted, I, maybe you could pipe in here now and talk about that because I thought that was so fascinating because you and I had talked about like, well, you know, I said, well, I think I could have done about five or 10% more on that four minute test, but I've been nervous because right, right. I had, I didn't want it to hurt too much and I hadn't put an effort out. And, and you said, no, let's just put the number, the FTP number in training peaks as is. We got to stop fiddling with these numbers, stop meddling with it. Right. And you were right. You know, when I went to do the workout um, on Tuesday, I, I couldn't have hit a higher power number if right. I had fiddled, if I had changed my FTP. Right, right. Yeah, it's so, so tempting. I mean, I find myself struggling with it sometimes. It's like, yeah, oh, I could when, have done Especially when more. you do these tests outside and you're like, well, you know, from three minutes to three minutes, 20 seconds <laughs> in my four-minute one, the grade kind of leveled out. So, you know, it was hard to keep the power up. So it probably would have been a couple Yeah, I'll just higher. change this real quick in right. my spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's very, very common, but honestly, it's like you, you have to be honest with yourself. Did you give a true, full effort on these tests? Because that is the important part. It's like if something literally went wrong, like... Your chain broke. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> that's an obvious one, yeah. But even if your like, chain wasn't shifting great and it was like skipping or making weird noise or friction in the gear you wanted to be, that could make a little bit of a difference. But, you know, as long as you got adequate sleep the night before, you know, had decent fueling before the test, mm -hmm. meaning you ate proper foods and whatnot, you didn't overeat or undereat, and you gave your, and the, and the, if you're doing these outside, like the weather conditions weren't super abnormal, and you gave a good solid effort for both the four minute and the one minute, the numbers are not going to really lie, and slight variations aren't going to make that big of a difference. So you just have to go with them and just accept what they are. And yeah, don't hang your it. whole like self-worth on what these numbers are. Right. And if had I bumped up that four-minute power 5 or 10%, because maybe I could have given a little more. So you got a bigger number. Yeah. yeah. I would have just been discouraged on Tuesday because I would have been way below what I was exactly. supposed to do. And that's what you have to understand is like you... It, you can put your number as big as you want, but you have to then train by that number because everything is being based off of those four-minute, one-minute calculations and the slope of that right. power curve out to those longer durations. And, you know, if it makes your 32-minute power 10 watts higher than it probably should be, you're going to really struggle to get those done in the workouts. Yeah. And not only will you potentially work too hard to accomplish the goal and it you know, delay recovery and potentially lead to some burnout there. You're also going to maybe struggle to complete workouts. That messes with your mind. Um, 
And, you know, I think it's way better to be 10% too low yeah. and nail the workout and feel really good about it and be like, oh, I could have gone a little harder in that workout, but be patient. Right. You're going to, you're basically doing this at almost as much of the same amount of work, adapting to it more easily, recovering, but recovering it by it, the recovering from it mm-hmm. more easily than adapting to it right? and becoming better as right. opposed to like striving for that thing that's like a little too hard and then overdoing it that's gonna it's fine that's a slippery slope well the one well, we did find two kids that um needed to have their numbers changed so there is that that rare circumstance where for example the test just didn't go it well. just didn't yeah. go well. like um and from tracking someone's data you can recognize data we just that. knew so like yeah. mia went out and redid her test and it was it was much more accurate the next time right, so that's right. okay too but for the most part just stick with what you got yeah and and you'll the beauty of this of retesting every six eight weeks roughly you'll collect a number of data points over the weeks and months and years and then you can identify tests that clearly just didn't go well yeah for something happened and then you can either retest or you can just estimate and be good enough and keep going from there so uh but yeah definitely the next training block coming up, which we'll talk about here momentarily, is going to be the litmus test right. of how accurate your testing results were. So, um, you know, you'll find out right away if your numbers are too high <laughs> right. or too low. Yeah, well, let's transition into talking about this next training block. Okay. Um, yeah. This it's it's be pretty fun. A long episode, so pause now if you need to go pee or fill up your water bottle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then come back. This will run a little longer um, than our normal. We try to shoot for an hour-long episode. We'll be a little beyond that. But um, anyway, welcome back from your pee break. So what do we do next after this aerobic booster block? Mm-hmm. Is we're going to go into, because we don't know what's happening yet in terms of racing and I mean, things are starting to open up, loosen up a little bit here locally, um, but there's no set races that we're aware of yet that are completely set up happening. So we're going to transition from this aerobic block into this anaerobic booster block is what Mm -hmm. I'm kind of calling it to keep them kind of cohesive. Um, And what we're doing is now focusing on boosting up the higher intensity, essentially higher intensity focus. So it's really good in training, in my opinion. Um, and from what I've seen working with athletes over the years and myself is you want to mix up the training right. periodically. So you, you don't want to just keep training this aerobic stuff. You could, but inevitably you'd either get a little burned out and bored with it or you'd reach some sort of plateau. So you need to mix it up. And that's what the point here. So this anaerobic threshold block that we're going into is going to be quite different it's going to go into more of a polarized model, like polarized training is a popular thing right now. Or it's, it's always been popular, but it, the, to talk about it is popular. <laughs> um, and meaning it's going, we're going to have workouts that are re- relatively short, but very high intensity. And then our other workouts are going to be very low intensity. And those may be long or they may be short durations. So instead of being so homogenistic like it was, is that a word? So homogenous as <laughs> yeah. it was um, in the last block, we're going to see a stark difference in the type of workouts exactly. that we're yeah. doing throughout the week. Right, right. So where the last block was very just, everything was like low to mid intensity, three to four hours in our case. Now we're going to have rides that are two hours or less, but really high intensity. And then we're going to have some rides that are low intensity, but upwards of four, five, six hours. 
Um, and then also some recovery stuff in there too. So very polarized, very up and down in terms of uh, the weekly modeling. Um, and then the other big flip is now we're going to be focused on power-based training mm-hmm. as opposed to heart rate-based. But we're going to keep an eye on our heart rate, much like we did in the previous block with power, just to see how our heart rate is responding to the mm-hmm. work that we're doing. And that'll keep us from doing potentially too much effort. And that'll help us also identify like if our zones are a little high or whatever. Right. Maybe so. I could just interject yeah. with the Tuesday workout as an example. So uh, we... Sophia and I went over to the Green Mountain Fire Road, which is a great, wide, fairly good climb where you can maintain your effort. So we were going to do four by eight minutes. Um, She was supposed to do a little bit, she was supposed to do about 210 to 220 watts. And I was supposed to do like one, I can't remember now, like just like 10 watts less than she was. Um, Neither one of us could exactly get as high as we were supposed to because we were following the secondary principle of keeping our heart rate at um, you said 90 to 92% of our max. So yeah. she was trying not to exceed 185 on her heart rate, and I was keeping mine under 165, 164. And it was it just was cool. So on your, your lap screen, you definitely need to be able to see um, that those data points so you're not, like, looking and falling off your bike. <laughs> but just, you know, hoping you can hit the 32-minute power for those four-by-eight-minute intervals but keeping your body in check, keeping your effort in check by not exceeding the 90 to 92% of the heart rate. Right. Exactly. And some days you'll you'll hit the power perfectly and some days you won't and that's okay. Right. And the more accurate your testing was and your zone calculations are you'll hit it or or if you're way off, that's a red flag that Yeah. something's Would you would you say if you're like within a few percentage points of where you should be that you were fine? But yeah. 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 As long as you're in the ballpark, in the neighborhood, you're you're good to go. I mean, okay. you know, when you look at the chart and you're like, I'm supposed to do these intervals at 300 watts, doesn't mean you have to nail them exactly 300 watts. I mean, give yeah. yourself a 5% range either side of that of where you could, could land. Um, and, yeah, so... But why... <clears throat> okay, so someone's listening to this and they say, well, but why wouldn't I just hit that power 300 watts every time? Why does it matter what my heart rate does? Oh, good question. So we... I like to keep a heart rate cap pretty much in all training of about 92% of max heart rate. Mm -hmm. Because in my opinion and what I've seen and felt myself personally in training the athletes over over the last 15 years is... When you do much efforts over 92% mm-hmm. of max heart rate, it's just extremely stressful on your body. And it jacks up cortisol levels and various hormones in your body, and it makes it extremely difficult to recover. And you do that too much, too often, and you're kind of sliding down the slope of you know overtraining and burnout and you know fatigue and exhaustion. So um, that's why I like to keep it under 92%, give or take. I mean, if you're like re- hovering right in there, it's it's fine, but... But the bottom line is so you're aware of a, a a heart rate, a data point of like, I don't really want to go much if at all above this number. Right. Because I've heard coaches say, just go as hard as you can on these intervals. And I just don't think that's a wise um, piece of advice, especially for for athletes who, like our, our younger riders, who are so excited about doing these intervals that yeah. they'll crush themselves. They'll and, go hard every single day. Every single time. And then a couple of weeks down the road, they'll be completely right. gassed. So. so use the heart rate as a really good... Um, guidance and not doing too much right exactly yeah in my opinion the only time you go max like as hard as you can go is on race day exactly um i mean even testing i don't quite go like 
truly as hard as I can go. I mean, it's super hard and it's close, but it's really only race day when it really counts and matters that you go preach a hundred percent kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, so this anaerobic block is more polarized, meaning we have short, high intensity. We have long, low intensity, very different mixing it up. The interval progressions that we'll be doing. So there's two interval workouts a week and they will start, um, kind of mid, um, intensity like kind of the lower end of high intensity so what we call our anaerobic threshold mm -hmm. also kind of like lactate threshold level so the the our energy system range and our nomenclature is um 64 minute power to 32 minute power so these would be like your max powers you could do for basically a half an hour and an hour that between a half an hour and an hour that's your anaerobic threshold your lactate threshold that's <clears throat> where we start the training which is higher than the aerobic threshold in the previous block that we focused many weeks on. So we'll do two weeks of these workouts. So one workout a week, we'll do 32 minute power focus. Mm -hmm. So that's the four by eights like we did on Tuesday um, to get 32 minutes worth of work at our 32 minute max power, uh, but broken into intervals that are very doable with some recovery. And then we'll do one day, the other day, um, training kind of the low end of anaerobic threshold, which is our 64 minute power. So we'll go four times 16 minutes Mm -hmm. at that 64 minute power so this is that range so your power date your power number from 64 minute power to 32 minute power is the range that we're training actually both days but the difference is the 32 minute power day the four by eight minute we want to try and be as close to the upper end as possible mm -hmm. right and then on the longer 64 minute power day with the 60 minute intervals we can be down on the lower end of that anaerobic True. threshold zone or energy system right so we're kind of attacking it from both sides and we always do the higher harder higher intensity one earlier in the week while we're a little fresher in theory um and save the slightly less for later um so we'll do that from for two weeks and then the middle two weeks of the six-week plan we'll do um We'll shorten the durations. We'll up the power. We'll train the VO2 max energy yeah, system fine. for two weeks. So it's four workouts. And the same kind of principle there. Our VO2 energy system aligns with roughly our 16-minute to 8-minute power capabilities, like max power capabilities. So we're going to break the intervals into uh, four-minute long intervals, like four by four minutes um, on one day, the second one in the week. And then the shorter, higher-intensity end, it will be four, we'll do sets of four by two minutes um, on those. So, right. Yeah. And so the power keeps going up. So, as we move from 64 minute power to 32 minute power, it's the power is going up by that fatigue rate percentage. Um, and then from 32 minute power to 16 minute power, as you go from anaerobic threshold to VO2 max, it's going to go up by another fatigue rate percentage point to start the VO2 max zone and then another fatigue rate percentage point increase in power to, for the top end of VO2. Right. You follow so, me? Well, I follow you because <laughs> okay. I know what the spreadsheet looks like. Okay. So if someone has purchased one of your downloadable plans. There's a spreadsheet. There's a spreadsheet. That so explains don't it panic. It's really easy to read. It's so helpful. Right. You do your two test points, four minute, one minute max power, and then we can calculate out your max, your estimated max power for these other data points, the 64, 32, 16, eight minute, so on. Um, and then, oh, the last two weeks of the six-week plan, we kick it up another notch. 
intervals get shorter still. Now we're training anaerobic power, which is kind of our close to our top end. And we'll do, so that's our four minute to one minute power, actually. Um, so we'll do some four by sets of four by uh, 15 seconds. Yeah, thank you. 15 seconds, and then we'll do some sets of four by 30 seconds. Yeah, 30 seconds. And Wait. four by one minute, right? Yeah. Yeah, we yeah, talked this one a lot. Yeah, so this four is... by one minute yeah. for the four-minute power, right. And then four by 30 seconds because we do like a little intermediate two-minute power one there. And then a four by 15 seconds for a one-minute power. Yeah. I Even abs- I was getting confused. <laughs> I absolutely love that workout. It goes by very quickly, and it's really fun if you can do it with a buddy or a group because yeah. you're kind of racing each other a little bit. Yeah, they're super fun. And they work well on trainers too. So anyone kind of liking or needing or having to be on a trainer, these plans, the low volume plan in particular, um, is extremely doable, 100% on the trainer. Oh, yeah. These the high volume workouts. plan, you can do like the intervals if you want on the trainer where it's so controlled and works really well. And then mm-hmm. like your endurance rides outside or you or you can do the intervals. We'll do the intervals all outside um, this time of year and, and as well as our long rides, obviously. So, um so basically, the over the six weeks, you're going from longer intervals, eight minute and sixteen minute ones, um, to shorter intervals, and the, by the end, they're just fifteen second. We even finish with a sprint workout that are like five second long ones over the six weeks, and then um, vice versa. The endurance rides then are intended to be very low intensity and gradually longer. So as the the higher intensity intervals start out longer. Mm-hmm. The endurance rides are shorter. Then as the interval structured intervals get shorter, the endurance rides get longer. So, But with the key <clears throat> that you're keeping the effort very low-key on those um, muscular endurance or the aerobic rides compared to the interval rides. Otherwise, right. you won't have the energy and strength to do the intervals on interval days. Exactly. And the weekly structure is doing kind of a recovery slash strength maintenance day. Then you do your structured high intensity interval day then you do the next day the endurance day so if you're a little fatigued from the intervals that's okay because you're just going to ride kind of chill anyway just over longer durations and then we have a recovery day rest day strength maintenance day whatever um, you're up for there so it kind of like goes from high intensity to low intensity so it's high intensity structured day low intensity long day and then a recovery day right and it kind of repeats that pattern more or less uh, as you go. Um, with the endurance rides, uh, at this point, especially if you've just finished our aerobic plan or have some good base miles in you before doing this, the aerobic workouts are designed, um, there's some intervals given. So if you are doing these on a trainer, you can be very precise with the intervals, but they're really intended to be done outside over some climbing routes. If you have those available where you're at. So there are, so let the, the hills be the, the quote-unquote right. intervals, but the intervals are just low-intensity, like strength, like aerobic strength, like because you're climbing. Climbing, to me, equals strength training. So um, you're climbing hills, but you're staying aerobic mm-hmm. um, and trying to amass as many minutes as possible climbing. If you don't have hills, like you live in Florida or wherever, um, you can just shift down to a bigger gear, kind of get your cadence more like a climbing cadence, like, say, 70 RPMs, right into a headwind possibly, but just that kind of lower cadence. Um, and in that point, you'd want to probably do intervals of some sort, like maybe say, okay, for 10 minutes, let's pretend it's a 10-minute climb, 
where I'm going to ride this big gear at a lower cadence as if I'm climbing, you know, for some muscular endurance. It's a great idea. Yeah. Um, for we, those. Whereas in the aerobic threshold block, on our non-interval days, we were keeping it a little bit more flat and like right. riding bike paths and right. and things like that. Right. So we built up the ability to ride that and that block, and now we progress by adding in hills, basically. So it's you still want it to be low intensity, zone one, zone two, maybe a little zone three, you know, aerobic threshold if needed. But at the same time, amassing big gear either climbing up a hill or riding into a headwind in the flats. Yeah, it's a perfect transition for this time of year, especially if you are in a climate like ours, you can start getting on the trails right. and and riding Yeah, it's great for riding mountain bike single rides. track and riding up hills yeah. and exploring the mountains a bit. Right. Right. And you'll be tired from the high intensity interval the day before. So it's very easy just to be like fine with like going kind of just casual pace and yeah. enjoying and extending that duration out. Um, and then one last little note just regarding our specifics of the training plan if you get on it. Um, the low volume plan is like five to eight hours. I don't even know if it gets to eight hours. It's like five, six, maybe seven hours a week. Low volume, it, like I said earlier, can be done 100% indoors on, a, on Zwift or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it can also be done outside and works very well with that. And then our high volume plan is more like 10-ish hours a week, give okay. or take. And it, it fluctuates a little bit, but it's more like, it's basically twice what the low volume plan is. Intended to be more outside, but even 10, 12 hours a week is still, I'd almost call that more like mid volume, because high volume is more like, in my opinion, when you get above 12 hours a mm-hmm. week, up close, you know, upwards of 20. So you, if you go with the high volume plan, you can always add more warm up time and cool down time, sandwiching your interval days to get mm-hmm. some more volume. Um, because the workouts are written to be done on a trainer. So if you're going to do these intervals outside, just know where you're going to do them and say, it takes me half an hour to ride from my house out to where the hill is. I'm going to do my repeats. Right there's extra aerobic volume. Exactly. Right, And then riding home. And same with the long rides. You can choose to make them really as long as you want. Just make start out on the shorter end, and as the weeks go by, gradually extend that volume to really as long as you want. But... Um, I mean, we're, we're going to, with our We Devo riders and myself, work up to, um, well, some of them will work up to six-hour rides in the mountains. Um, not all of them, but some of them, but kind of in that four- to six-hour range. Right. Of, well, you and I have different ideas of what high volume is because you have so many more hours right. in your tank. So yeah. my long ride, when you say a four-hour ride isn't a long ride, that's a long ride to yeah. me. Yeah, no, that is a long ride. For sure, yeah. but like eight hours <laughs> for you would be... A long ride. That would be a super long yeah. ride. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it depends what kind of event. Someone training for Leadville, obviously, is going to need more long long ride duration than someone training for Criterium Racing or something. So it's all relative, but it, what I'm getting at is there's flexibility in there and um, adding more to the plans as desired. Uh, yeah, and then when you get to the end of this anaerobic threshold booster block, you'll you should be in extremely good shape. Yep. I mean, I don't see why if you follow 80% of the workouts completed, you'll be in amazing shape um, and kind of have had every energy system touched on over the previous 12 weeks if yep. you've done the aerobic one and this one and really like ready to do something. Hopefully it's racing. Um, you know, we have like a plan B of doing some kind of fun training camp or multi-day tour of Colorado if racing is not okay. Or, or you mentioned or, that 
uh, kids could get Strava records. Oh yeah, that that would be the time. Yeah, just if find your favorite KOMs you want to try to get or challenge Phil <clears throat> Diamond to some. Yeah, there you go. Something. Yeah, I mean you'll be super fit, and that would put us if you're on track with us now. That would be like by the end of June, you'd be in amazing shape. So. Fingers crossed. Hopefully things start happening maybe in July or August where we can maybe get to race. Even if it's small local races, I'll take it at this point. So, um, uh, And how, do, how does someone find these plans? I'll put the – they're on Training Peaks. So you download them off of Training Peaks. I'll put a link in the show notes here. And um, I'll put a – I'm working on a kind of a blog post for the website too that will okay. have links and things. So there's links to that. But if you go to Training Peaks, their plan store – um, search anaerobic threshold booster and it'll pop right up. You'll see it there. Can they also search by your name? And, or my name, yeah. And that'll show all my plans and then you filter through that to find it. But um, but just go to the show notes is the simplest way to, to find that. Um, and honestly, if you're at a loss of what to do and you haven't been doing much the last several weeks, consider, if you have time, consider doing the aerobic block first because that really lays the foundation to do really well in this anaerobic block. Um so, you know, figure out kind of where you're at in that, um, in your overall that, training yeah, spectrum. and motivation spectrum. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you have any questions, send us emails, um, Cody at teamweight.com. I'll put the link in the show notes or Kathy at teamweight.com and, um, consider checking it out. We'll steer you in the right directions or if you just have some simple questions and we'd love to answer them. So I think coming up, we should have some kind of Q and A contest or something for oh yeah i was gonna actually do that Um, or some sort of incentive something fun we have to yeah we have those we devo die cut stickers or those we die cut stickers so we're gonna come up with something yeah okay so stay tuned stay tuned for that so we'll generate some uh some good q a for the next for the episodes coming up in the future because i had this whole list of everything we were going to talk about like pacing your races and fueling for your races and analyzing your races and yeah i'll save those for i guess when we get to racing but um, for now, we'll just keep training. What do you think? We'll keep training. And sorry, I was distracted thinking about food and um, how you've tagged the weight cafe on your food pictures. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think of um, Phil Guyman, and you can tag him for like cookies that you want him to rate. Oh, right. Like rate. So if anyone wants to like tag the weight cafe, rate my salad or something. Yeah, or just like it'll get <laughs> maybe give us some fun ideas for food. So uh, I that, guess, that, yeah, yeah. I don't know if we're as popular as Phil Gaiman yet. No, no, not quite. <laughs> not quite. But, yeah, why not? Uh, all right. That, I mean, that's all I got. What, what you got? Uh, I think that's it for now. Yeah, don't forget to, uh, if you like our podcast, like I said at the beginning of the show, rate and review. That helps us immensely and share it with your friends. But other than that, um, I think we'll try to get back on a, a weekly routine of podcasts. So we'll be updating you through this anaerobic threshold booster block and then as things loosen up and races start getting populated on the calendar how to get ready for that kind of thing well thanks for listening and thanks for your support keep sending us questions and um following us on social media it's fun to hear from you all absolutely all right take care thanks for listening adios